0: We're often told that when you're buying a property to get the best capital growth, the best return on investment, you want to look for properties that are close to amenities, close to really good schools, close to shops and shopping centers, close to public transport. How many times have you heard people say, you know, this is a great suburb because it's got all of these factors in it. But as an investor, what we care about is the return on our investment. How much is that property going to grow? How is it going to perform? And so is this actually important? And today I've got with me Jeremy Shepard from Select Residential Property to actually dive through the data on this one. Yes, it makes logical sense that we want these amenities there, but does the data actually back up this idea that this is going to lead to higher than average capital growth? So I'm excited for this one. Hey, Jeremy, how
1: are you? Good on you, Ryan. I'm well. How are you?
0: Yes, very good. So I'm looking to buy a property in the very near future. And this is obviously something that I'm thinking about and considering when looking at suburbs is to say, okay, what's the suburb like? What are the schools like in the suburbs? How close to the shops? How close to the transport? Basically trying to get an idea of you know why would people want to live here? And will they want to live here in the future? And does it have those desirable things? But I'm I'm thinking you're going to tell me something different given <laughs> you've done the data analysis and there's an article on this.
1: <laughs> yeah, good good guess. Uh yeah, look, it's not a complete waste of time researching this sort of stuff, but uh there's there's a, a very clear caveat to it. Uh it's not automatic that if you're buying in a suburb with good schools, shops, transport, all those amenities, that you're gonna get above average capital growth. The key is whether that amenity is new or old. So the whole principle here is that if the suburb has all these great amenities, then it should be that properties in that suburb are very expensive because this is a desirable place to live. But the price has already factored in the benefit of those amenities being there. Let's say, for example, you get a new train station that comes into the suburb. What's going to happen is uh, the, the suburb is now more desirable. Uh, people start paying more uh, to have that uh, that benefit of being within, say, walking distance of the train station. But after a few years, once it's factored into the price of properties in that suburb, from then on, it's just it's business as usual. The capital growth carries on pretty much the same as as any other suburb. Yeah. Uh, so it's always a short-term thing. And I did some research to look into some of these. Uh, these things like like transport Um, well well, let's have a
0: look let's take people through the data and see what the data says from from what I'm hearing about what you're saying is that like we talked about in a previous video on public housing is that if something negative comes into a suburb like you mentioned a sewage treatment plant or if a new airport uh, gets built and there's planes flying over then that suburb can be reduced in value or the growth can be slowed over the next multiple years, maybe three years, maybe five years. But then you're saying what happens is eventually that eyesore or that issue is factored into the pricing. And then that suburb is just going to grow in line with basically the surrounding area. And I guess what you're saying here is that the opposite is true is that if you've got a suburb that doesn't have amenities, if you add those amenities making the suburb more desirable, that lifts the price in the short term, you know, maybe three to five year mark, I'm not sure. But then once that's lifted, that's because those amenities are factored in. And then yeah. after that, it's just kind of business as usual. The suburb would likely grow in line with kind of surrounding suburbs and the region. Yeah, as
1: well. exactly. And that one you mentioned with the airport there, yeah. um, I think you're referring to the study that Queensland University of Technology did on the... Um, expansion of the brisbane airport to become an international airport in the 80s and they wanted to see how the new flight path would affect the growth in properties of of suburbs affected that are sitting under that flight path and they found that they had deteriorated capital growth over a period of about four years and from then on it was it was business as usual in fact they, they actually caught up to many of the other surrounding suburbs in brisbane so it showed that a negative amenity uh influenced capital growth but only for a short time yep. and uh, <clears throat> what i've done here is i've had a look at train stations in sydney and i i wanted to see uh, suburbs that are on the train line within walking distance of the train station <coughs> excuse me are they have they outperformed over the long term is simply yep. being near a train station um a good deal yep. now this chart shows uh the green line is the performance of suburbs that are not near a train station non yeah. non train station suburbs and you can see that they have been pretty much neck and neck with uh station suburbs over the last um 30 years from 1990 now i did this analysis um, towards the end of 2018 so that's why it, it chops off there but yeah. you can see there's there's nothing in that that's a very significant period of time if there was to be a Performance benefit of being near a train station, you would see something significantly different than what we're looking at right here. Well, that's it. If there
0: was a performance difference over the long term, you would see these lines start to separate and diverge from each other over time. And you would expect the station line to be higher than the non station suburbs. And so, you know, what we're seeing is they're tracking very closely together. Sometimes they're touching each other. Sometimes the non station is above, then they touch each other again. Um, so it's very neck and neck right up to you know 2018 over that what's that a 30-year period nearly 28 years 30
1: years yeah roughly 30 years and I did the same thing with Melbourne and there is actually that divergence that you're talking about here but it's it's not a huge uh, divergence for starters but this this chart would tend to suggest that there might be something in it because of that divergence so so what we've got at this stage is we've looked at two cities two larger cities and in one case it does look like there's nothing in it and in the next case it looks like there might be something small in it over 30 yeah. years to have a gap of a roundabout i think that's two hundred thousand dollars that's uh that's not really significant but there it's is a, an argument there it's
0: a decent gap if you're investing in something for the long term you'd rather be two hundred thousand dollars richer that's than right not. yeah but I can see yes. how if someone just looked at this Melbourne statistic, they would just say, okay, yeah, being near a train station means you've got a better chance of getting a return.
1: Yeah. So I thought it's it's one for and one against. So I'll look at Brisbane. Um, and although it looks like there's a divergence there, what's actually happening, and, and people get confused about this when they're looking at these sort of uh, compound growth type charts, particularly over a long period like 30 years, you'll notice that, uh, throughout the history, they were they were neck and neck, and there were times when uh, station suburbs would get ahead of uh, non-station suburbs, uh, but then there'd be a catch up, and I suspect that there's another catch up, probably probably just here at the right hand side of the chart. So yeah. I, I don't rate that that gap there as meaning anything. So at at this stage, there's nothing really conclusive about train stations outperforming. So if there was
0: the cutoff period is super important. And this is something that I've learned from yes. you is that you can prove any point in property that this creates more growth than this if you choose the right starting point and the right cutoff point. And then you can make your yeah. graph look amazing and prove your point. But if you choose a different point, you, know, you can make the opposite to be true with the graph as well if you just choose different starting points and different ending points. So that's something yeah. that people really need to consider when looking at statistics like this.
1: Yeah, so at this stage, I would say that it's inconclusive, um, but but let's keep going. The the next thing I looked at was schools. So train stations is just one amenity. Uh, yeah. Melbourne is known for its, its fine schools. Uh, so this is a similar sort of plot. Uh, the green line is the suburbs that don't have uh, well-known schools and the purple is the, the suburbs that do. And I've seen loads and loads of reports where uh, they have said that, uh, properties within the school catchment zone are selling at a premium, something as high as 20% for just being across the road. But that's that's just a premium. That's not capital growth. What we want to know is over a period of time, are we outperforming or is it just the same as b- being in a cheaper suburb that's not in that school zone? Mm-hmm. And you can see there that, that over a, a very long period of time, uh, 30 years, there is no advantage from a capital growth perspective of being in uh, a good school suburb, even if you have to fork out an extra $200,000 to to buy in one.
0: Yeah. Well, as what you're saying is that the school zoning and all of that is already factored into prices. So when someone's going to buy in a suburb that's zoned for a good school, that's already factored into the prices. And so will that grow more over time? Probably not. The only time I could see was if catchment changes and a previous catchment that was for a bad school now becomes catchment for a good school, that little pocket may shoot up in value in the short term.
1: That's right. Another case would be where, I mean, I'm assuming here that these good schools, the currently good schools were good schools a couple of decades ago. If the reputation of a school changes over time, then there might be an increase in, in capital growth. So now what you're trying to do is forecast how how schools are going to perform, how their reputation is going to improve. So you can't just simply say, this is a good school. So this is a good suburb to invest in. You've got to know whether that school's reputation is going to improve in the future. That's one yeah. one possible, possible okay. argument. All right. So that's schools. Um, oh, and also just I'm just pointing out here that if you were only looking at a 5-year period this is going back to what you said uh, a minute ago if you only had 5 years of historical data which is in the red rectangle there you might assume that that school uh, school suburbs do outperform but if you look at 30 years you can see that there's there's nothing in it yeah okay next 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 amenity is uh, beaches. This is one that I'm
0: really interested in. I wanted to buy near the beaches. It's probably not going to suit my investment strategy at the moment. The beach is (laughs) up in the north end of Brisbane. uh, So I'm probably not going to buy there. But I was really bummed that um, I wasn't buying near the beach. I live near the beach. I love the beach from a lifestyle perspective. But I was very curious as to from a property perspective, how does it perform when suburbs are near the beach or on the beach? Mm.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the beach has always been there. So it's not a new amenity, and so you can see that this uh, these two curves are very close to one another. Yep. But as you were saying um, uh, in another video, in the start of a boom where expensive property markets uh, sort of lead the growth um, in Sydney, those are beachside suburbs, or many of them are beachside suburbs. So you can see that the purple line tends to get away from the green line, and then the green line catches up. So uh exclusive suburbs uh, on the beaches may outperform for a period of time, but eventually they become overpriced and the green ones, non-beach suburbs, catch up. And so you can yeah. see that over, over a good 30-year period. So beaches, great amenity, great lifestyle, but not so great for uh, capital growth.
0: Yeah. And again, it's because it's already factored into the price, right? The beach was yeah. already there. It was there 10 years ago. It was there 50 years ago. <laughs> it's still right, going to be there yeah. in 50 years.
1: Yeah, so maybe maybe there's some uh, incredible uh, global warming and um, the ocean levels rise. You might lose a beach, uh, but, yeah, it's unlikely you're going to gain one. Yeah. All right. Unless you're the suburb back, further suburb back. <laughs> yeah, maybe the
0: <this laughs> suburb back will pick up a beach and the other suburb will be washed yeah. away.
1: <laughs> uh, shops. Proximity to shops is another one um and uh this one of i think was australia wide so i'm looking at the 50 largest uh shopping centers and again you can see that there's a crossover in in the history sometimes the green line is above the purple and then it swaps um now this again is assuming that the the popular shopping centers of uh today uh were also popular uh 30 years ago now that that might not be the case but i don't have any data uh, dating back uh, thirty years, and so I was looking at uh, the size or the number of shops in order to to pick these these suburbs out. Uh, but there isn't anything in that chart to suggest that being close to uh, at least major shopping centres uh, is is of any help to to capital growth.
0: Okay. yeah. So we've debunked schools. <laughs> we've debunked train stations. We've debunked beaches. We've debunked shopping centres. Shops.
1: All right. So what's left? Um, those who aren't familiar with the walk score the walk score is is um, taking into consideration all the amenities uh, within walking distance of a particular property and you can get walk scores based on the suburb which is just an accumulation or combined uh, score for the amenities in a suburb now the problem with this is that walk scores are, are a fairly recent thing. And I contacted walk score wanting to get um, historical data, and I couldn't get much uh, prior to uh, 2014. So we've only got a short period of time that we can analyze this. But what you see there in those 10 bars, on uh, the, the far left, are the highest uh, decile of walk score. And on the far right, is the lowest decile meaning so the that it's first one would be
0: the suburbs that are extremely walkable. So you're talking about like CBD suburbs, yes, where you can walk to almost everything. Everything's open late, you know. And then yeah. the number ten would be uh, everything's a track.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you must have a car to get yeah. where you want to go. And you can see there's no real uh, clear trend there. Um, and there's there's yeah, it's hard to argue the case that. Um, uh that the walk score is is that, that, that amenities are useful um what might help is if we look at change in amenities over time that might uh be more useful than just the current walk score so there's plenty of people that that look at the walk score trying to see uh whether this suburb has better capital growth potential but but so far there there isn't an indication of that and yet there have been loads of um, reports Walk score is actually, um, it's not just in Australia, it's in uh, Canada, the USA. So it's, it's um, been well examined and you can easily see that there is a premium paid for properties in areas where the walk score is very high. But once again, that's just a premium. That doesn't translate to superior capital growth and that's what we're after as investors. Yeah. So uh, what I did was uh, looked at some of the walk scores um, actually, if I got these around the wrong, I know the, the first decile is the higher the walk score. So um, this one shows a, a, what I'd call a counter correlation between high walk score and high capital growth. Bear in mind, it's only over five years. So yeah. the, the suburbs that have the least amenities have had the best capital growth over that period of time. Yeah. So walk score wouldn't have helped you in, in Melbourne back in 2014. Yeah. Um, and what I've and learned
0: from you is be very, very careful trying to make any assumptions based off five years of data.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that's certainly not enough. It's not long enough, not enough
0: in the property market to get a clear idea of what's going on because it can just be a certain market timing, certain growth periods over that time can really exactly. affect things.
1: And so what what we might be seeing here in Melbourne is that the outer areas were going through their growth cycle at this stage, whilst um, perhaps the inner areas weren't. I mean, that's one one way you could argue away uh, the walk score, but certainly yeah. it, it's it's not helping you right now. And Brisbane, it wouldn't have helped you there either. Um, yeah, well, look this at, one's
0: because Brisbane. If sorry. we scroll back up, um, would the first decile of the walk score would probably be you know around Brisbane CBD? And Brisbane had that big influx of units and a lot of stagnation around unit prices, right? Yes, uh, in yeah. that period, and so that could affect. That,
1: that could explain there. this, yeah. And that, that's a good point about the five-year period. Unfortunately, we don't have historical data for walk scores dating back uh, prior to 2014. Yeah, um, and th- this one is a little bit of a, a peculiar one because remember, Perth was having negative growth over this period of time. So over that five-year period, Perth was was heading into negative territory. Um, So although this um, looks like uh, you've got um, the walk score uh, showing the same thing as the previous chart, actually in this case in Perth, you would have been better off having suburbs with higher walk scores. That's on the left because you had less negative growth that's because we're in, we're in the, the negatives
0: run. here. We're not in the yeah, positives. Yeah, we're in the negatives. That's so, yeah, right. So you're you're getting less a... loss in the high walk scores. So if you've got a good walk that's score, right. you don't lose as much money. If you have a bad walk score, then you're losing more money.
1: Yeah. So this chart actually supports the concept of being closer to amenities. Yeah. But it's that's that's the only one. And then, but that's uh, it. Like again,
0: we're looking at five years, and like we've got multiple sh- charts showing multiple different things. So that I—that's right. I wouldn't personally rely on this data or walk score. That's right. As an indicator yeah. of growth.
1: Yep. Um, and uh, one more. I mentioned this this airport thing. Um, so here's Sydney Airport compared to other suburbs, and again, you can see there's there's a crossover of the lines over that thirty year history. Uh, and there isn't the, the very clear divergence that we should be seeing, if uh, suburbs closer to the airport were were outperforming uh, those further away. Yeah. And yeah. So once again, um, that transport amenity uh, isn't really working out. Now, here's here's a peculiar case because this is the first time we're actually seeing a clear history of divergence in the growth charts. And but it's the other way around. You've actually got suburbs that are further away from the airport are uh, are outperforming. Now you could argue that's because the airport is a negative amenity, which is interesting given all the hype about Badgeries Creek uh, and all the suburbs around Badgeries Creek that are supposed to get all this high capital growth. Uh, well, here's a case where it, the suggestion might be uh, that. Uh, being close to the airport is a a negative, not a positive. But Melbourne's airport is a little bit peculiar, particularly with respect to uh, Sydney and and Brisbane, where the the airport is is close to the CBD. Uh, Melbourne's airport is is a little bit further away. uh, And so maybe uh, that could explain why this chart looks that way. But um, this one, uh, like the others, we're really not getting anything convincing In our data to suggest that pursuing amenities is pursuing capital growth
0: yeah if anything i would look at this and say okay pursuing a suburb where the amenities are going to improve would be good to minimize risk and suburbs where the amenities are like to decline i would consider that a risk factor like if a shopping center is slowly you know getting less and less shops and, you know, or it's moved like a major new shopping centers open close by. And so it's going to ruin the shopping center of one suburb. Maybe that could have an effect, but again, I wouldn't even have any data on that. So, so what do we do with this? Like if I'm looking at investing in property in a suburb, do you still look at amenities and what's around just to get an idea for it? Like, or do you just not I think it can be.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't don't look at it in order to find high growth locations, but if you were looking at a suburb and trying to estimate the price of a property, uh, you might like to factor in its distance from various uh, amenities. Uh, so but more that use is just it as a valuation
0: tool rather than That's a right. growth predictor tool.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and another interesting point is that. Let's say you've got a suburb that's got all the amenities. They're usually uh, quite close to the CBD. So it's unlikely that a suburb is going to go through uh, a transformation that will improve its capital growth prospects. But what about a, an lying, perhaps even fringe suburb that doesn't have many amenities, but over the period of time, perhaps the next 20 years that you're holding that property, perhaps new amenities a rise in that suburb, making it more attractive and accelerating its potential for capital growth. So there's actually an argument that you could have superior capital growth pursuing suburbs without amenities.
0: Yeah, but then that kind of goes against the previous data we talked about, which was distance to CBD, where we didn't really see a big correlation there. If anything, there was a slight, tiny, negative correlation, Mm. like, well, closer to CBD had slightly more growth than further out, but it was so small. You said it was significant, insignificant,
1: statistically insignificant. Yeah, statistically insignificant. That's right. Yeah. So I, so I would I, say
0: what you're saying there's probably just speculation.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't use uh I don't use amenities. I don't look at them and I don't I don't use the walk score either.
0: So you don't think of that like when you're looking to purchase an investment property for yourself, you're not thinking, okay, what are the schools in this area? How close is it to the train station? Or you're just doing that to factor in the value of the property and whether it's worth what you're paying for
1: it? Yeah, well, my research is all in suburb selection. So I'm not actually doing any uh, property valuation. But for myself personally, um, I would just go by what the the valuer says, what my bank valuation is. Um, Or if the market's just running a little bit hot and I've got to pay above market value because things are really moving fast. So I'm not fussed about trying to, to pay bang on uh, the value for the property. I'm okay paying too much so long as I get into a market that's moving because yeah. in six months' time, it's irrelevant. Oh, I paid two, 2.5% too much. It uh, doesn't matter. It's now six months later. It's grown by 8%. I'm glad that I'm in that market uh, and there's yeah fun times ahead. Yeah. So you could use it for valuation, but I, I don't.
0: But, yeah, for growth, not so much. And I, don't, and I, don't, I don't need to lose sleepless nights. I don't need to have <laughs> sleepless nights over whether or not the property I buy is close to a train station.
1: That's right. Yeah, and yet we hear it so often, don't we? Yeah, you've got to be close to this. Got to be. It's got to have schools and yeah.
0: Like even even after looking this data, I still internally think that <laughs> like it's like okay, yeah, you want a property where they can walk to the train station to get to work, and yeah, it's like, well, no, you don't actually need that.
1: Well, there's no harm in, in pursuing that. It's just if you make that your focus rather than, than other factors, then you yeah. might be doing Yeah, Well, I guess doing yeah, yourself that's right. As
0: you're saying, there's no harm in looking at that. But mm. what you need to do is consider other factors much more heavily and look yeah. at that sort of stuff if you want to be successful and pick those higher growth areas.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. it.
0: Well, yeah, you've blown the lid off this one. <laughs> <laughs> Another myth bites the dust here. <laughs> So yeah, thank you for sharing this with us. Um, Go ahead, everyone, and check out, I'll link to a playlist where me and Jeremy have done data dives on a bunch of different topics like this one. So you can check all of them out. I am loving learning about this sort of stuff. I'll also link up to this article in particular if you want to read through all of the data and all of the explanations that go with it that Jeremy has done. Otherwise, go ahead and check out selectresidentialproperty.com.au where there's a lot of good educational content over there. And you can see links to the resources that Jeremy's created as well. So thanks so much for coming on, Jeremy. Is there anything you think we need to cover before we close this
1: one off? Um, I actually didn't scroll all the way down. Um, All right. Yes, maybe I should. (laughs) Have we still got time? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, uh, Let me just uh, familiarize myself with this chart. Okay. So this is another argument against the whole amenities thing. Um, sorry, I didn't scroll down earlier. But if uh, being close to a good school, being cl- close to train station shops and so on, if that was a positive for certain properties in a suburb, you would see those properties start to become far more expensive than other sub- uh, properties in the same suburb. Yeah, And so you would see this uh, price variability widen uh, in percentage terms over time, but as this chart shows, they're actually contracting. So, if being close to amenities what did correlate to higher capital growth, you would see this uh, trend line going up to the right. But instead, it's actually going down to the right. So that's just another another nail in the coffin of the the whole uh, proximity to amenities. Yeah. Do we have any others? Down the <laughs> Let list? me scroll. That conclusion. Thank you. People are saying thank you right now. That was too long, wasn't it? No, no. Sorry to rave just, on for some. Okay, so long. let's
0: make sure we cover all the data. It just looks like it all backs up the same sort of thing, but it's good mm. to get all of these different data points to understand, you know,
1: where we're at. Yeah, that's it then great thanks very much for having me on your show ryan
0: no awesome i'm loving this content and i know a lot of people out there are too and it's really helping them to research suburbs themselves understand where to buy and to not get stung and buy in a wrong area because you know someone said it's close to amenities therefore you should pay this much when you know really it might not lead to capital growth so really appreciate your insight jeremy and for sharing this with the community Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Go ahead, check out the other videos that I've done with Jeremy. Learn about this stuff so you can do your own research and find the best investment suburbs for you. Wish you all the best out there. And until next time, stay positive.